Praise God. Coming forward to preach this morning, I felt like I needed to do one of these numbers, because that's what Pastor David does when he pulls up his pants. So I feel like I should do that too. I'm getting there too. Today's message is called Refined by the Father, and I've been refined by the Father. I just got married, so if you know what I mean, you start to eat really well. Um, My wife, Angela, uh, cooks very, very delicious food, Um, so I've been refined by the Father, right? Um, Leading into today's message, I just want to um, take that idea of marriage and talk about that for a quick moment. Um, We'll be reading out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through chapter 2, verse 3. And the reason that is is because the author, Peter, begins a thought but ends it a few verses into chapter 2. So the divisions that the Bible has aren't always um, uh, accurate. That's why we, it's um, encouraged to read the Greek. And in the Greek, you can tell that he begins a thought here, but ends it a few verses into chapter 2, um, which in the Greek, there are no chapters. It's crazy. Um, but this idea of marriage being refined, um, like I said, I just got married. Um, a lot of you know that. But... It has brought out so much good, I mean, the food, I mean, come on, just having a companion for life, someone that can stand by you, someone that can um, uh, encourage you, someone to critique you, uh, you didn't think I was going to say that, but no, in all, in all seriousness, marriage refines you. The purpose of marriage is to bring two people together in a covenant relationship before God so that they can encourage one another to be more holy, be godly before God and encouragement to one another, right? To better, to be used better by God within the marriage. And I've been refined. <laughs> a few months later, after, a few months after being married, I've been refined. I, by no means am I done. It's a lifelong process. Um, it's a, a process of sanctification. But God is doing his work in me, and I hope he's doing a work in you. Whether you are married or not, we are being refined by the Father. That being said, Let's turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13, through chapter 2, verse 3. Let's read God's word. It says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Verse 17, since you call on the Father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty ways handed down to you by your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He has chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Verse 22. Now that you have been purified, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers... Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. 
For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like flowers of a field. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that has been preached to you. Chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies have crave, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word. Um, Lord, open our eyes and hearts to receive your truth. Open our hearts to, um, to grow in our faith, Lord God. May you uh, do a work in us, each and every one of us, Lord God, that as we study your word, as we dive in, God, that you may speak to us directly, God. So we're here. We make ourselves available. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what need do we have for this scripture? Believers, we need to become aware that for one to be used by God, it takes making yourself available, making ourselves available to God and to be refined by God. And as I always say, if there's anything that you remember from today's message, it's this. The main goal of the Christian life is to be purified by God through the good and the bad in order to resemble Jesus. The main goal of the Christian life is to be purified by God through the good and the bad to resemble Jesus. Amen. And I want to ask a few rhetorical questions. If you want to answer, go right ahead. But they're mainly rhetorical. Go ahead and do it inward check in your heart. Did you know that God is holy and that we're not? Some of you are like, wait, what? I'm not holy. What? Did you know that God is holy and that we are not? That there's only one way to have a relationship with God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Did you know that God wants to make us holy just as he is holy? And our example to follow is Jesus. Amen? I have four realities for you today. As we dive into the scripture, four realities that are going to allow you to grow, once you know these, to grow in holiness. It's going to make you available to grow in holiness. These four realities are as such. We are called to be holy. Jesus makes holiness possible. Obedience leads to holiness. And lastly, seek out holiness. The first point, call to holiness. Now this is super, super interesting. All right? We are called to holiness. Let's read verse 15 one more time in chapter 1 of 1 Peter. It says this, But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. This is written in God's word. Be holy as I am holy. Now, to set the premise, I want to read a quote from theologian Matthew Henry. And it says this, a Christian's work is not over as soon as he has gotten into the state of grace. He must still hope and strive for more grace. When he has entered the straight gate, he must still walk in the narrow way and grit up the loins of his mind for that purpose. So what it's saying is that we don't stop at only accepting Christ. That's part of it. That's the beginning of a journey in holiness, right? From that point forward, we continue to seek out grace. And we continue to seek out grace in the form of growing in holiness. What's really interesting here is that I want to draw back to a verse before that that says this. In verse 14, 
As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Hmm. The word conform. I was interested to find out what this word conform means. So let's both this all dive into what this word means. In the New King James Version, it says, not fashioning yourself according to the former lust in ignorance. Instead of using the word conform, it says, don't fashion yourself. Okay? A little deeper. Let's go a little deeper. The NIV says this. It uses the word conform, as I just read. And I'll oftentimes result back to um, the, the message just to get a more plain, more common language way of saying this. And I read the message and it said this, uh, translation, don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. So don't conform, don't fashion, and now we get to a more common way of speaking, which is don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. So the Greek word here for conform or fashion is really interesting. It's systematizo, means to shape in appearance. So this word fashion, when it says conform, it says to shape in appearance. And the word also means to print or make identical. So when you read the word conform, it, you can replace it with fashion, but you can also replace it to shape in appearance, print, or make identical. All right? In Isaiah 44, uh, verse 12, I might have given the wrong um, verse uh, to Jerry, but that's on me. But verse 12 says this in Isaiah 44. The smith with the tongs both worketh in the coal and fashioneth it with hammers and worketh it with strength. So it's saying that the, the craftsman, the one who is working the coals, the one who is fashioning a statue, and it's, this is resulting to um, talking about when you make an idol, when you make a statue. So even in that time, the craftsman, the blacksmith is forming a statue above the fire. That, that'll preach, right? We're formed above the fire, right? Not like idols, but we're formed by, for, for God, right? So that's interesting. The word fashion is, fashioned is used in the Hebrew and the Greek, and it means the same. To shape in appearance, to make identical, or to print. So we can read that. So let's reread it, but I'm going to uh, substitute a few of these words. As obedient children, do not shape yourself in appearance to the evil desires. Again, as obedient children, do not, let's see, print yourselves. Do not make identical to your former ways of living. Amen. So we got the word conform. Now, let's read the word for verse 15. Let's jump back there. It says again, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. That word called grabbed my attention, and I hope it grabs your attention. What it means is, in the Greek, it means kaleo, but it stands for to summon, to invite, or to name. So, church, you have been called, but you've also been summoned. You've been invited to partake in holiness, but you've also been named by God to be holy. And I hope that's encouragement for you. And I want to share this example, and it will further us in understanding what it means to be called, right? We'll be called to be holy just as God is holy, right? For myself, um, I, have, I have two wonderful parents. Um, my father's name is Jacob. My mother's name is Isela. Um, they, growing up, they made a, a great example to follow. I, I esteem them much. Obviously, as a child, I look up, and I'm just like a brat, 
And I'm like, I don't really care about you. Thanks for everything. I appreciate it. Thanks for the food. Thanks for the clothes. Thanks for the ride to school. Thanks for my friends. All this stuff, right? But as I got older, I realized, you know what? My parents really set a high bar, something I want to imitate. They set the standard for who I want to be when I grow up, right? So when it comes to me, I want to imitate my parents in a, in, a, in a worldly standard, right? I want to imitate their example. I want to see what they've done for me, and I want to replicate that, and hopefully, God willing, do even greater things because they've shown me to do so, right? Well, it's in the same way that we can look to the Father and, and see his example and his standard and try to replicate that, amen? We look to God, and he's holy, but how can we replicate something that's holy if we're wicked, right? We're going to discuss that a little further. But we oftentimes forget that we can imitate God's son, Jesus. So the first point was, excuse me, it was as such, called to holiness. We are called church. Second point is this as we move forward. Jesus makes holiness possible. You see, on our own standard, we are not capable of pleasing God. We are wicked people. Oh, Jacob, what are you talking about? We're supposed to be encouraged this morning. The word's going to get there. Not me, but God's going to encourage us. But we got to be real with one another, amen? That we are not capable of meeting God's standard, but Jesus is. And it says this in verses 18 through 19. Let's continue on through the passage. 18 through 19 says this, For you know that it, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Amen. There was no defect. There was no blemish found in God or in Jesus. That's why he is holy. Amen. This could be our number one motivator to move forward in our life. It's like, well, we have been called and some of us think of the word holy and we're like, that's not me. Mm -mm. But not in a way of like, I don't want that, but in a way that we think, how can that possibly be true? We're called to holiness. Do you, do you, have you met me before? I'm not holy. I know that. For those that are very like bluntly honest with themselves. And you might think, well, how could God make something holy out of me? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what I've seen? Do you know what I've said? I'm not holy. How can we be called to holiness? Well, it is through Jesus Christ that we're made holy. Amen? And that we could not accomplish this, but Jesus could. That we have defects. Let's, let's talk about our defects. Why can we, we cannot come before God in a holy standard. It's only through Jesus. But let's talk about our defects. And one of the most honest verses I've ever read in scripture is this right here. It kind of slapped me in the face, and I hope it slaps you too. <laughs> in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, this shows our blemishes. It says this, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. Hold on, I understand. Well, that's not what the word says. It says this, no one who seek, there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They all have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. And what it's talking about is that without Christ, without Christ, there is no one who does good. There is no one righteous. Okay? So oftentimes we think of ourselves, we're like, I did pretty good this week. You know, I got a little, little golden star. I got a little golden star right here. I'm a general in the, good, in the good realm. I have my stars up here on my shoulders, not on my chest, on my shoulders, right? But no, we're humbled and brought to a reality check when we read Romans chapter 3. Verses 10 through 12. 
that there is no one righteous. And I know this is kind of like the, the, the stick in the side where you're like, oh, this is bad news. But hey, we got to be real, right? That there is no room to boast in ourselves. Again, we're painting the picture in the second point to remember that Jesus makes holiness possible. But in order to understand that Jesus makes holiness possible, we have to understand that we can't make it possible. All right? And moving forward, in James 4, uh, verse 8, it says this, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is a word for all of us, is that we are not complete. We are not purified, but we need to come before the Father with, with hands that are dirty, that have been through grime, that are wicked, that are unrighteous, and come before God and say, God, clean my hands. God, purify my heart. Come into my life so that I may be used by you. See me through the lens of your son, Jesus Christ, right? See me through the lens of your son, Jesus Christ. So the point of this, of this second reality to grow in holiness, Jesus makes holiness possible is this, is that we ought to keep our eyes on Jesus. Oftentimes, we look to others and we measure our holiness off of Johnny sitting in the back pew. Oh, he came in late. He was two minutes late. He didn't even give offering. You know what? According to his standard, according to my comparison to Johnny in the back, I'm pretty holy. Oftentimes we do that, right? We look to others and say, yeah, I'm doing okay. But that's a dangerous road, church. What we ought to do and what, we're, what we get to, it's a privilege, is to compare ourselves to Christ. And you know what? Reality check, it's coming. The, the hope is coming. But right now we're having a reality check. All right, we're going through some counseling in the word. Is that we have to know, we have to admit where we're at, Right? In Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, it says this. This one, slap me again. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, ouch, that hurts. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Amen. The reality check continues. We're realizing, we're understanding that we cannot compare ourselves to one another. But in order to understand holiness for us, Christians today, what is it that God asks of us? We ought to compare ourselves to Christ. And when we compare ourselves to Christ, we don't meet the mark. But guess what? He, he died a perfect sacrifice without blemish or defect so that we can have a road to be made holy in the sight of God. Amen? That's our hope today. If there's anything that encourage you, encourages you this morning, it's that, hmm, well, Jacob slapped me with the scripture, and uh, I realized that, you know what, I may be not as righteous as I thought. I might not be as holy as I thought, um, or even close to it, but guess what? I, I think I got something away from the scriptures today, is that in the middle of this passage, it's talking about holiness, and why would Peter mention Christ? Because as the author realized, and as he's trying to tell us, is that as you pursue holiness, understand, hit the brakes, it can't be done without Christ. Amen? That's why it's here and written in the middle of this passage. Why talk about Christ? Because it's not possible without him. Amen? It's self-righteousness in comparison to God's righteousness. So if we look to others one more time. We might seem like we're on the good road. We might seem like we're doing okay. 
But it's when we look to Christ that we realize, I'm in need of a Savior. That without Christ, we are nothing. Without Christ, it says here that we are not righteous. We don't even seek God. And I want to encourage you today that any moment that you see yourself doing something good or you feel that, wow, I was in an ill mood, but what came out of me was, was purely good. I encouraged someone. I gave of myself. I gave of my time. Anything that comes from us, church, is from God. Or Sorry, anything that comes from us that is good is from God. And if it's bad, it's definitely the flesh. But anything that comes from us is, that's good comes from God because apart from God, it says that we are not righteous, that we don't even seek God. Oof, that's humbling, right? But we're getting there. And we're in pursuit of understanding what God asks of us in order to be holy. What does he ha- ask of us? And we've been talking about that it doesn't stop when we only accept Christ. Right? We don't sit there and go, okay, I accepted Christ. He's in my heart. Cool. Transform me. And we're just like a transformer. We're just like a superhero. Just And we fly away and we're like in glory, right? No. In the moment that we accept Christ into our heart, we move forward and we are encouraged by God's word to grow in holiness. Why? Why does this even matter? You might be asking, okay, holiness, cool. Um, I think I'm good where I'm at. I think I'm like, I'm redeemed, I'm saved, but I think I might stay here. I have an illustration for you all later that's going to really paint the picture for that. For those of us that might think we're okay right here, but God is calling us to further holiness. Point number three, just to let you know in case you missed the first two. The first one is call to holiness. We're first called. We're summoned, invited to take part in holiness. We're secondly made aware that Jesus makes holiness possible. Thirdly, moving on, obedience leads to holiness. Guys, holiness doesn't come without a cost. Oof, this one, I pray that God helps me get through this, but in order for Jesus to sit at the right hand of the Father, did it come with a cost? Did it come with him giving of himself in complete surrender to God's will to die on a cross? It came with a cost. In this third point, obedience leads to holiness. We're going to read verse 22. And it says this. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. You didn't purify yourself by obeying what your mama said. Maybe you did. Um, you didn't purify yourself by doing your own sinful desires. You didn't, uh, we don't purify ourselves by uh, anything else in the world, but it says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. What is the truth? God's word. That's how we're purified. That's how we're made holy. So if you have any encouragement this morning, well, why even read the word? It makes you holy. I mean, I saw this video the other day. Um, on social media. There's some funny stuff on social media. It's not all bad, but it can be. But there's this video of this kid. Everyone in, in, in school is studying for a test, right? And you see the kids like this. Hmm. They're studying. And there's this one kid there like this. And he's so concentrated, and it made me laugh. It's like, just come onto my mind. And maybe he didn't study enough. But this little kid, I mean, he looked maybe five years old, but he had an idea that if he just, it would just transform his life. 
you know? And it made me laugh so hard. But in a way, we can learn from that, that it's not just, read this verse right now, a random verse. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, yada, yada, yada. Well, if I read that, then I should be good. I'm just transformed. I'm refined by the Father. No, we have to learn that the word teaches us, but we have to apply what the word says in order to be refined. We have to make ourselves available. Continuing forth with this third point, obedience leads to holiness. Obedience is God's design to bring about holiness. It's mentioned in two places in this uh, uh, particular passage. In verse 14, it says this, as obedient children, that's pretty good, as obedient children do not conform, okay? And it says also obedience in chapter 22 as we are studying. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Okay, so obedience comes, obedience leads us to holiness. We must live in holiness amongst one another as well. James verse or chapter 1 verse 2 says this. I might have given again the wrong reference to Jerry, so if it's up there wrong, I apologize, it's on me. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. What can we take away from this, church? Consider it pure joy. Hold on, wait a minute. What do you mean consider it pure joy? Don't kind of consider it joy. Consider it pure joy? You're telling me when I get trials, when I get um, dilemmas, issues, you mean when my child's acting like a brat, when my husband's acting like a brat? I can say that. Right? When we're acting a certain way, when things go wrong in our day, dilemmas come up in our life, you're telling me that we have to count it all joy? I'll encourage you with this is that we might not be there yet. Some of us might not be there where we count it all joy, where our car breaks down and we're like, I'm so happy that happened. On my way to work, now I now have to call out and I'm out of a paycheck for a day. I count it all joy. We might not be there yet, but there will come a time as you're refined by the Father that you really do count it all joy when you face trials. Why? Because if you make yourself available to God, you will make yourself available to grow in holiness. Why? In those times of trial, in those times of heartaches, in those times that you didn't expect, make yourself available to God, and what is he going to do? He's going to refine you. There's a purpose in everything. So when it comes to obedience, what does this verse have to do with obedience leading to holiness? is that we can be obedient even in the times and trials of our lives, but also understand that these things bring about perseverance, and perseverance, holiness. Amen? I hope, I hope this is a benefit, and I forgot to mention the, um, the outline. It's a pretty empty outline, but it's in the bulletin. It's there in case you need to follow along. Um, even in trials, God desires obedience. He is at work purifying our hearts in the bad times and in the good times. Remember, the main idea of today's message is this. The main goal of the Christian life is to be purified by God through the good and the bad in order to resemble Jesus. It's time to pick a side. When it comes to obedience, are you obeying the word of God? Are you disobeying the word of God? I'm going to shoot straight. I'm going to ask you straight up. Are we obeying God's word or are we disobeying God's word? I thought I was done with reality checks, but let's have one more, okay? Revelation 3.16. No, not Revelation. No. 
Revelation 3.16. You thought I was going to say John 3.16. No, this is Revelation 3.16. It says this, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. I'm telling you, God worked his message through me before it's coming out of my mouth to you. But are we obeying God's word or are we disobeying God's word? Because it says, because you are lukewarm. There's no gray area with Christ. There's no gray area. And I'm sorry if you heard it at a church down the street or your friend told you, like, as long as, long as you're a good person, it's okay. I'm here to tell you that God's word does not say that. That there's no gray area. There's no lukewarmness. You can't be both hot and cold. You're either hot or you're cold. But God says that he will spit us out of his mouth if we are lukewarm. We need to pick a side today. Are we obeying God's word or are we disobeying God's word? And by no means is this easy to preach. By no means is this just something that rolls off the cuff. Oh, I felt like sharing this today. No, but God led me to share this message today. Um, that being said, we're on to our fourth and final point. To seek out holiness. Well, what can you make available to God or what needs to be chiseled out of your life in order to grow closer to God? Okay? What in your life can you let go of in order to move closer to God in holiness? Because sometimes, oftentimes, we're in our own way. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. What is it in your life today, church, that you can consciously think of and say, you know what? I might be able to let go of this. Why? Because it might make me more available to be groomed and refined by God. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says this. I have the right to do anything. I'll read this one. Um, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. I'll, I'll say this version. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Let me explain. What the word's saying there is you have option to do. There's, there's this realm of all these things that you have liberty to do and you have the freedom to do as a Christian, that they're not considered a sin. You have room to do all of these things, but it says that they're permissible, meaning you can consciously think, I want to do that, so I'm going to do it, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it says that not all things are beneficial, meaning you have room to do all this, but it might not be beneficial for a few of us to do because it's not leading us to holiness. Amen? So, for instance, this is a very, very mild example, okay? But hopefully it leads us to understand what it's saying there. Not everything is permissible, or all things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. For those of us that love sports, I know we got some cowboy fans. We have some <laughs> I see that hand. Is that for salvation? You want to give to the church? You want to give your life to Christ? I see that hand. Um, but all things, all right, this example of, of loving sports, for instance, all right, I'm not here to guilt trip anyone. I love sports. I love soccer. I can watch that all day. I can be on an hour of sleep and still watch a game. I'll conform my body to watch a game. I get that. I love sports too. I'm not here to guilt trip anybody. But let's say, for example, that this show or this sports team is on TV. But whenever you watch this team and they start doing bad, you start saying words that you never thought you'd say. You start doing things you never thought you'd do. It starts taking you to another realm that you never thought you'd even go in. You felt like you were in space. And it might not be beneficial to you. 
Is it wrong to watch sports? Is it wrong to watch that drama, that soap opera, or whatever it may be? Obviously not. But is it beneficial to you? And that's only a picture. If it consciously, if it registers in your mind that, oh, well, that show I'm watching, I shouldn't watch, well, then good. But it's just an example, a mild example to kind of push that idea forward. That sometimes things in our life, there might not be anything wrong with them in the sense of that it's sinful. It might not be sinful. But maybe there's things in our life that aren't beneficial to us growing in holiness. Amen? So also, we are given a mind, we're given a conscious mind to move forward in what's right and wrong. Like both of us know. Do we all know here that murder is wrong? Amen? We all know that it's wrong. But who, you know, even someone that's not a believer knows that's not right. Because we're given by God a conscious thought, a logical mind that understands right from wrong. Amen? Some of, it's, some of it's skewed, but the most plain thing can be, um, I guess, shared with even a believer to an unbeliever. But we often defend ourselves. In this last point called seek out holiness, we often defend ourselves. And this is really a, a point I want to share with you all is that you might be examining your mind or you might be thinking about that person that has their speck while you have a plank in your own eye or while I have a plank in my own eye, right? This, is, this word is, is, is doing a work in me as well. That we often defend ourselves saying, you know what? That, that, that off-putting version of Jacob or that off-putting version of you, that one thing in your life that you know needs to go, you sometimes or I sometimes give an excuse and say, you know what? Well, it's just how I was raised. You look at me wrong, I smack you across the face. No, 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 that's wrong, Right? It's not, we give excuse to ourselves, well, that way, that temperament I have, you know, it's, it's just the way I am, and you know, my family has grown to respect that. Or maybe it's that judgmental thought process that you have that you're just, you know what, I just, I just got to work around it. It's there, and I'm going to leave it there, but I just have to tiptoe around it. And the moment someone looks at me wrong, I'm judging them, right? But what is it in your life that can be brought before the Father to be refined, God doesn't only want us to be forgiven, but to continuously grow in holiness. But we oftentimes give excuses to ourselves, saying, that's how I am. But the church, the church today can be encouraged by this, that it is not the goal to look like ourselves or just to be ourselves, but it's to be like Christ. All right, we are, we are encouraged this morning that you don't have to look at yourself anymore. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody Accept Christ. You don't have to look at the other person and say, you know what, Johnny in the back row, I wish there was a Johnny in the back row. Johnny in the back row, I don't have to look at how I might think how bad he is or how unholy he is. You know what? I'm on the same playing field as he is. I'm unholy before a holy God, and I need Jesus, right? We're encouraged by that. And I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't have to compare myself to anyone but Jesus. But yet I'm, I'm given forgiveness through Christ and made holy before God. That sounds like pretty good news to me. Let's move forward. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, everyone included, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So why even mention this verse? In light of God's glory, we oftentimes offer ourselves as living sacrifices to things that we shouldn't. 
You know, we give ourselves to things that are worldly. We give ourselves everything to, to things that are, are enjoyable and maybe they're not sinful, but why don't we give ourselves as living sacrifices to God? But this is a challenge today. Do you even want to be made holy before God? And I'm not telling you that, I'm not telling you the moment that you say, yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll check yes on the survey. I want to be made holy by God. And again, you don't just transform in a day. The title of the message is Refined by the Father for a Reason, is that we're refined over time. We offer ourselves as sacrifices to our preferences, to our desires quite often. But how often do we offer ourselves as sacrifices before God to do his will? Here's our encouragement, church, is that let your life be in a testimony before others. If you're here this morning and this, this is hitting you and you're just like, oh, hit, uppercut, oh, I got kicked in the butt, all these things, it's like, oh, what, am I, what hope do I have if I'm in, in such an unrighteous place? Let your life be a testimony before God. When God decides to take that attitude you might have, whatever it is, apply it to your own life, that, um, that way of thinking, when he starts to transform that and other people take notice and say, hey, jo Johnny, you know, you've really changed. Why is it that before you used to come in with a, a frown, but now you're coming in with a smile all the time? You know what? It's because God's doing a work in me. Okay, so we might not be there yet. We might be refined by the Father continuously. And even in the hard times, we might have to count it all joy. God, you're doing a work in us. God, you're doing a work in us. God, clean, cleanse my hands. Purify my heart, God. I'm still sinful, but Lord, purify me. It might be a process, but in the moments that we are being processed to be holy, let that be your testimony. All right? Let that be your testimony. So oftentimes we see, we, we come into church, and this really gets me. This really gets me, is that I, I've come into church often and thought, we're just a whole bunch of perfect people. And my voice meant to crack there. Um, we're just a whole bunch of perfect people, right? No, that's not true. We all are being refined by the Father. So again, I'm painting the picture, and the Word really is doing this for us, but we're all in the same playing field before God. Unrighteous, made righteous in God, and, and called to holiness, right? But let that be a testimony. Share with others. You know what? I'm not perfect. I know you, I know you think as, uh, uh, as me or them as being super encouraging and always having a smile, but I'm dealing with some stuff on the inside. But let me share that with you. God's doing a work in me. Something that no one ever has perceived of me, God's doing a work in me. Share it with one another. Let it be a testimony. That is the encouragement. So I want to share this illustration as I start to close, before I close and close again. Um, so the, the illustration is this. I want you to think it like, Think of it like this. I like this uh, board over here. It's white. So let's, let's say that this board right here resembles God, okay? God's over here, white and pure and holy, right? Let's, let's say that the world is over here, full of its uh, fleshly desires, of its, um, I guess, temptations. world is over here. God is over there, okay? How close do we want to be to holiness, how close do we really want to be? Do we want to be up close? And you know what? God has brought me to the, and we're never going to get as close as we can get until we get to heaven, okay? Let me just make that clear. But we're continuously growing towards holiness. How close do we really want to be? Because I know for some of us, even myself at certain times in my life, I stand right here, I sit on the ledge, and I go like this. 
full view of, of the world and, and its glories and its misleading and its implications and temptations. I have a good old view of the, of the world and what it has to offer. And it, you know what? To me, it looks kind of pleasing, right? I look at the world, but I have one little eye on God. And as long as God is behind all these things in the way, you know, the stands there, the mics there, the speakers there, the chairs there, I at least can see God, but I think I'm okay right here. I think I'm okay looking full view of God, or excuse me, of the world, and having one little eye on God. But I want to encourage you this morning that God hasn't called us just to be forgiven and stop here and have a view of the world, but to move closer and closer to holiness, all right? But it doesn't come without being refined. How close do you want to be to God? We sometimes look at the world, but keep an eye on God. We use him for a blessing, and then we dip out as soon as we get it, right? I've been there. Have you been there? That you're, you're, you're stuck in a spot, and you're like, God, I really need to be rescued from this moment right now. When I cheated on a test in high school, I really needed to be. That's a mild example. But what is it in those moments that we cry out to God, say, God, help me? In this moment, in the moment God delivers you, gives you a, a, a stability, provides for you, that we're like, oh, thank you. Appreciate it. And we just leave right? Or we slowly start to drift away. But God hasn't called us just to receive a quick blessing from him and keep moving. The person who receives a blessing, or excuse me, the glory is God. But isn't, isn't that for the best of us this morning, is to move holier and closer to God in order to pursue holiness? But we cannot approach it without wickedness. I know we've been talking about it. We've been real with one another this morning. So what? What does this all mean? What does this passage even talk about? Why do we need to pay attention to what the word says here? Let's, let's be real. Let's ask that question. The big so what? Like, and what? What do you have for me, uh, Bible? What do you have for me, God? Christians, make yourself available to God so that you may be refined and overcome the flesh and experience full life in him. Okay, there's the hope. We have full life in God. Over here, I know, church, I've been there, and I'm sure a lot of you that are older than me have been there, too, that the world can look pleasing, but it is fleeting. It's distracting. It pulls us away from God. Amen? This morning, we're encouraged that the fullness of life is experienced when we're close to God. That's the hope that we have this morning. The fullness of life is experienced when we're close to God. So again, we are called to holiness. Jesus is the one who makes holiness possible. Obedience leads to holiness. And we are encouraged to seek out holiness before God. And this is all for our benefit. God gets the glory, and it's all for his glory. But you know what? We receive a lot in return. Because we should have received something else, if you know what I mean. But we receive so much more when we pursue holiness before God. And if this message has striked you to be one of up in your face, then take it out with God, okay? But for those of you that know God and want to pursue holiness, you might be asking, well, I need practical steps. What do I do? Get in God's word. But you know what's hard? is to continue reading God's word. All of us have been through it, all of us, so I don't put myself on a pedestal by any means, and please don't put me on one. But we can look to Christ to help us be our strength. Don't look at your own righteousness. Don't think that you can do it on your own strength. But remember, keep your eyes on Jesus. 
Let's keep our eyes on Jesus as a church, as a congregation. As we continue on through the year, the events, events coming up, as we continue to, to seek out God's word in person, together, worshiping him. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't keep it on me. Don't keep it on Pastor David. Keep your eyes on Jesus. For those of you that don't know Christ as your Savior, the first step in to move closer to him and accept him as your Savior is to admit where you're at. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you've done a lot of that, God willing, in your heart, that you've admitted, whoa, what the word's saying, not what Jacob's saying, what the word is saying there, that hurt. But you know what? I, th- I think that's true about me. So first you admit. Second, you believe and you put your trust in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins and he rose from the dead. And then lastly, you confess that specific sin to God and ask for forgiveness for that sin. All right, it's the ABCs. We're taking it back to, the, to, um, to something more simpler. Admit, believe, and confess. Those are the steps. By all means, let your heart cry out to God in, reverent, um, in reverence before him. But church, the question is, where are you today and where do you want to be? Because I've been in that position where I had a full view of the world. But as you move closer to God, God continues to refine you and refine us in the process called life. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for your word. But Lord, it has been a word that hasn't come easily to preach, but Lord, we thank you for it, God. And Lord, you have called us to holiness. But Lord, the, the, the hope that we have, God, and the relief that we have is that we're not supposed to accomplish holiness on our own. But Lord, you've provided a way for us to be holy, and that's through your son, Jesus Christ, God. And we thank you so much for the opportunity to give ourselves and follow Christ. God, without your son dying on the cross, Lord, we would stay wicked. We would stay unrighteous. We would stay unworthy. But, Lord, because you sent your son to die on the cross, Lord God, you see us through the lens of your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we thank you this morning for the possibility to move closer to you. And, God, we thank you. This is our hope. This is rooted in our souls now, God. Now that we um, know this, God, that comes from your word, we can't live the same. We can't hope to walk out of this building the same, God. So, Lord, we thank you for your provision of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, let it radiate from our hearts. God, let us come before you with joy, saying, God, I'm unclean, I'm unworthy, but Lord, I need your forgiveness. And Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Lord, we can come before you in expectancy, knowing, Lord Jesus, that you honestly love us and you sent Jesus to earth in, uh, as a messenger, as a form of your love, the best love yet, Lord God. So, Lord, let us understand that today we now understand that the fullness of life as a believer is to move closer and closer to you in holiness. Lord, we pray this in your name, and we thank you above all things for sending your son to die on the cross. Amen.